All right, Grizzle Pod, episode 33. We're back. You guys have heard a ton of great conferences in between. Um, it's you know we took a break for a minute there. We had some big launches. Obviously, the biggest being the ETF. But we're back in the studio with my partner here, Scott Willis. What's going on? I'm Tom George. We are Grizzle. What's up? What's up, everybody? Happy to sit down and uh, have a chat. Yeah, so we're, we're back on the regular now, guys. Uh, just want to thank you guys for the support. The, uh, the conferences, Scott, they were off the chain. Man, so much fun. I love it. You get to learn, have a good time, chat with people live, like bring on some thought leaders. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you know, and... and Hopefully, guys, were, were listening with us. I, you know, We had a ton of great uh, conferences. Our last one was a banger. Uh, that was Grizzle Uranium Con. If you have not listened to that, it's available on the pod. So however you're listening to the pod right now, that's the last episode. Also, it's available on YouTube, of course. And Scott, our home, Twitter, right? So the Uranium Con's available on all platforms. Um, yeah, guys, we're back on the regular now. Uh, you know, obviously, we, you, we had to get a l- bunch of things lined up. The conferences were a huge part of just it. It's open source learning, right, Scott? Like, literally, we are. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like we're diving deep with you guys. Uh, Uranium Con really couldn't have come at a better time. We're going to talk a bit more about that later uh, in the podcast. Obviously, lots happening in the nuclear space, but uh, I think critical listening. If you haven't already, uh, we had a we had a great group of um, of speakers, thought leaders. Uh, our good friend Doomberg, Doomberg, the green chicken. <laughs> yeah, Red Cloud. Uh, who you know, the Red Cloud's been at the center of so much of the uranium action before anyone even got to the you know even got to the stadium. These guys, uh, these guys were there earlier, and and uh, yes, yeah, so uh, Chapman Scarborough, um, Uranium Insider. We had a, we had them all, all of them there. That was Uranium Con. Um, well, Scott, before we begin, we kind of have to thank our sponsors. Yes, uh, we do. It, yeah, and so for those who, who followed us know, uh, Scott, we're, we value the markets through a fundamental lens. And who uh, who powers us up, Scott? So it's wide charts. It's always been wide charts, so it'll continue to be wide charts. Uh, they're our go-to for, I'd say, uh, visual charting, we call it. Fundamental visual charting. There's there's no one better out there. Saves us a ton of time. Uh, I would g- give them a look if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with wide charts. Very useful. Yeah, if you're going stock by stock, uh that's you know we were users and you know and they they saw that we were power users and listen you know uh can't thank them enough uh great partnership grizzle and white charts our second sponsor of course is the grzz etf traded on the new york stock exchange uh innovation and growth at a reasonable price scott not any price uh Ooh, that's, that's important <laughs> yeah very important right and uh so that's uh it's what we the strategy there it's an etf a barbell of energy security and technology. We, f- we feel that those are the two key pillars there. That's the GRZZ ETF. And an important announcement, Scott. We have added a key member to the team, Margot Rubin. She's joined I'm excited us. about this one, Tom. Yeah, so. I'm very yeah, we excited. Had, we had to bring the pod back because we, we, you know, we got a brand new member in Margot Rubin. Uh, she's, she's phenomenal. She's a true blue, uh, like, you know, work, like she has been a cornerstone for Canadian and global energy on Twitter. And if guys, you guys know, Twitter is where it all goes down. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she's, she's really been a important figure in social media there. We're, we're so thrilled to have her on our team. We, um, she launched a, uh, intro sizzle video 
into the energy crisis. It's going to be a series that will be dropped over the coming months. It's a huge, it's a huge issue, Scott. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to unpack and help you guys understand. So I would make sure look out for Margot, and you can follow her on Twitter and all all the content and the different episodes coming from that will will be released there, and we'll talk about them on on future podcasts too. So keep an eye out for her. Yeah, and uh, if you don't follow her already, you should. She's on Twitter, Margot underscore Ruben. Uh, that's where you can find her. Um, and uh, oh yeah, so Scott, I got I actually got to give the rundown of where people can find all this stuff. If you're looking for Y charts, it's YCharts.com. That's where you find that for the GRZZ ETF. That's ETF.Grizzle.com. And then um, and then for Margot and the Uranium Con and all the other good stuff, Scott, we're on YouTube. We live there. Yeah, Grizzle Media is what you search on YouTube. That's where all the, the cons sit. That's where they go live. Um, so the easiest way, you know, to figure out what the next conference we're doing, what we, we like to jump all over wherever there's money to be made and there's, you know, things moving and happening in the economy. We're going to do a conference on it. And so you get automatic alerts if you're uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel. Yeah. So check that out. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, we're, we're very proud to be uh, in the number one poll position for conferences, right? Like our conferences do tens of thousands of listeners, viewers, and they're high caliber investors. We're, we're very thankful for uh, for everyone who who listens. Like, And Scott, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite parts about the conference, flat out, is that we have like a live stream that's popping and people asking questions. And we literally are bringing those questions right to the speakers. It it just to me feels like the closest thing to like a global conference sitting in, you know, people, you know, logging in for whatever, dropping their questions on YouTube and we bring them to the top people in the industry. I, I love democratizing conferences because, you know, what's why can only a certain number of people who are like, you know, paying the banks a bunch of money get in? Why, why can't everyone? Because, you know, we have a, a bunch of, you know, do-it-yourself investors who ask really, really smart, great questions during these conferences. So I, I, I'm happy that we can give them all access without any, like, gates. Yeah, exactly. And like, if, if you'll let me, like, right, so the conference world is like this, right? So we think that there's, like, there you have broker level conference this is like in terms of you got real investors asking good questions and you you you're you're getting good insights out of that that really is a broker level conference uh that's what grizzle grizzle brings with all our conference series and then what has you know what has previously been predominant in i'd call them like rinky dink conferences right it's just like for retails just like you know these are just like oh hey throw up a uh you know talk to your powerpoint pressure presentation and i'm going to step away like that's like useless right for us it's the conversation it's the insight it's building it's you know bringing that question from someone in the audience that's the way it goes yeah exactly and and the um entertainment too it's got to yeah. be entertainment not enough of that in conference land no no wait listen you know the the conversation with uh with our good friend Doomberg, the green chicken at Uranium Con was 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 a big man. That's a way to start out a conference, man. We always yeah. bring great guests to start and close. Have a have a have a good time. Uh, that would yeah, that that was actually quite special with Doomberg. Uh, we we got to hold him to that, Scott. So he said he was gonna we, he was gonna change his scene, his background, a cigar, lazy boy couch type thing, and do like a three hour kind of Joe Rogan style late night pod live. Uh, podcast live with the green chicken doomberg 
That'd be awesome. He needs way more backgrounds. I, I love his background, but uh, he needs them for all the different cons and Eight. for that type of stuff. Well, hey, listen, man. He he, he gave us uh, the greatest compliment. He goes, uh, he has the most fun on uh, w- w- with the w- with the Grizzle Gang, right? And so, uh, and he, and he he gets interviewed a lot of places. So, yeah, <laughs> he knows what's up, man. Damn right. <laughs> Tuberg is the most prolific, literally. Uh, if there were air miles for podcasts, this man would be. This man would be. He would be able to fly anywhere. He, he literally, he would have a space trip, Scott. He would have. He yeah, would have he's, enough he's miles pat- to do platinum. His, yeah, he's, he was on a great uh, Twitter Spaces on Friday. The guy's crushing, man. Uh, Nods. Nah, listen, it's it's a team there. Doomberg, uh, phenomenal. And this yeah. is really Scott. When I think about the future of the future landscape of media insights intelligence uh this is what it is man did any of the has doomberg ever been interviewed by the economist ever been in you know like wall street journal you name the institutions none of those institutions yeah and none of them could even hold a candle to what he's dropping right now yeah, the funniest thing he told us was remember a, a bunch of the bank research departments are reaching out and they're like sending him documents and be like, can you sign this agreement and <laughs> let's do all this stuff. He's like, I just, I publish a blog. You can pay for it if you want to. And he's like, I've never replied to any of these people. <laughs> Why is it so complicated? Just like pay for the blog if you want to read it. It's all good. Oh, uh, it's amazing. And, and yeah. you know. Uh, well behind and, uh, the rest of the street. Oh, totally. And, and, you know, I think this is one of the most exciting times to be an investor, to be uh, to be aware and open-minded and, you know, getting insights that aren't mainstream fed through a trough. Uh Really, it's just phenomenal, right? If like what's happening on Twitter in terms of the of the quality of, of insights there, right? Like Scott, you know, both of us getting broker research, sitting at TD Asset Management, you know, you know, being in the old like ivory tower, if you will, and you know, having the insights, whatever that was, you know, the old world. Like today, all of that is available open source to everybody you may have to you know, like maybe it's a subscription for $30 per month uh, through Doomberg here or a few places there but you like either it's open source for free on Twitter B you're listening to it on a pod somewhere you're putting all that together or C you, you maybe have to pay a nominal amount but it has truly disrupted what was uh, a place where Wall Street got that edge or you know the smartest people lived inside those walls now not so much anymore yeah, we're trying to be a part of that, and that's why we do the conferences, and that's why we do podcasts and you know our, our other content. So we'll keep trying to contribute our piece of the puzzle as much as we can. Yeah, well, it's a huge piece, right? You know, like for us, it's, you know, our edge is, um, you know, Scott and I are both analysts, portfolio managers. Like, we, we do stocks, right? <laughs> that's that's our thing, right? And, it's, uh, and we're, we're, we're very happy to bring that, uh, bring our process. Uh, you guys have been listening to us well over two years, right? You, you guys, you guys know the pods that we've done, the the shows, the like you know, through COVID. Our COVID series is still legendary, Scott. People still. Oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy those days are over, but that was fun to do because oh. the world was changing so fast. It was uh, what like an investor dreams about, right? Just assimilate information quick, figure out what's coming next, and and then and then tomorrow brings something totally new. <laughs> and record it on on YouTube. <laughs> Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? But, speaking of Tom, speaking of yeah. insights, we got to tell them the agenda here. Oh yeah, what they're they, in they, for. They, they, listen, it's it's been a it's been a while, a minute, right? So we we kind of have to catch up with you guys, right? And uh, Scott, I'm, I for one, am happy we're back on the pod. 
regular. Uh, it's, you know, it, we're going to have cons interspersed between, but happy to be back. It's like, it's like, like I'm coming back to an old bar, close, you know, local bar. It's nice. <laughs> Everybody knows your name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so we're going to tell you, we're, we're going to talk about the agenda a little bit, but we also, some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is also included in um, our Q2 letter that we dropped a few weeks ago. So if you want more information and you want to see some cool charts that we're going to just talk to here, if you go to etf.grizzle.com, you can check out that that letter. It's just uh, it's hanging out over there. So a lot, a lot of good info there on our thought process and what we think is going on in the markets. But we're going we're gonna to talk to that here. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's the element of the letter. There's obviously big news around... Um, nuclear power uh it's the resurgence of and of course the economy scott of course the economy and commodities putin you name it we're gonna touch it uh in this episode of the grizzle pod episode 33 did i say it was episode 33 scott i probably did maybe if uh, I, didn't. I don't know it's always good to say it again yeah hey, episode <laughs> 33 that's what it is um all right, Scott, where, where, where should we start? Well, let's start with, uh, at a high level, you, you know what we got to start with is how are you going to be positioned? Obviously, it's a dynamic market here. Um, clearly, if if you are, um, if you have a near-term lens, this is a very tough market to navigate, right? And I think we started the year, we, we were very clear from the beginning. We said, listen, this is double black diamond skiing. Uh, when it comes to if you're going to look at the analog relative to investing, um, you know, this is a, you got to you got to put your uh, you 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 got if you're going to do this, you better you better be ready. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just think about it, there's been a bunch of head fakes this year, just, you know, we're a little bit past half, like a lot of the most popular stocks of the pandemic have just uh, whipsawed people around but then they go to all new lows. So those that's like the widow maker, right? If you're if you're an investor that you you do it as a hobby but you don't spend all your waking hours looking into these things, even then a lot of people, you know, get it wrong and this is one of those markets where there's a lot of volatility, there's a lot of up and down and so it's better just to kind of step back and just believe in your process or if you have, you know, a diversified portfolio, you're leaving it alone, you're not getting scared. But uh hopefully, you know, we're, we're in the market every day trying to figure out what comes next. So hopefully uh, us talking you through this is going to make things a little bit clearer. Yeah, Scott, you actually remind me of a very important point here. And I, I just really, for those out there, right, you know, clearly things change, right? You know, uh, inflation gets sticky. Uh, Vladimir Putin starts a war. Um, you know, natural gas gets cut off, right? Things change. And as as an investor... Uh, clearly how that all manifests is in real rates, right? Scott, like basically, right? That, that's, that's, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the way you should think about it. So that that's we're, the- we're in a world of scarcity right now. And for like the last 10 years, we were in a world of plenty. So that's, that's the big shift that's kind of happened here. COVID really kicked that off, but, um, then things have happened since where, you know, it's not just COVID's over, things go yeah. back to normal. We see that. Yeah, exactly. And so things that were clearly hot. We're growth investors, right? Like unashamedly growth investors. And one thing we try to be is humble realists, right? So 
what we thought, you know, like our, the, our, the lens through which you look through the world two years ago is going to be completely different than the lens today. And you have to be flexible, right? You completely have to be flexible. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of why you can't just look at stocks in a, in a bubble. You need to look at what they call macro, right? Like the, the bigger picture, because you could know some of these tech stocks like better than anyone get everything right on what they're going to report you know you say you know exactly what earnings are going to look like mm -hmm. but the stocks are still going down and that's for macro reasons so you can't just fall back on oh the stock is cheap right it's like what's happening in the in the greater world what's the catalyst cheap is not a catalyst you learn that when you're investing yeah and, and so yeah you, you got to put it in context and so something you know as, as you were speaking something you know i got the i got I got uh, Y charts up here as well. Um, something that popped into my head here, right? When we talk about um, when we talk about investors that uh, get, get stuck in a trade, if you will, right? And there's no greater indicator of this. Um, Scott and I've done a lot of research behind the scenes on this stuff, right? Obviously, uh, you know, we 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 understand the dynamics of how um, you know how money flows into products, etc. But nothing is more interesting than the money that's flowed into the arc etf so yes. so this is a very uh, like it actually underscores scott's point here right so the arc etf scott like what's her fund is down 56 percent this year and i want to say from the highs if i'm going to pull that up but i like from the highs um she may be down yeah, was it was the high early 2021 for her fund uh, yeah, like it, it was. Yeah, it was February. Yeah, when when things were peaking it was March. So yeah, it's it's a brutal fall. So let, let me just do, do the do the number here. Yeah, this is kind of fun here. Right? We got you guys live. Okay, she's down seventy four percent. Wow. Right. Wow. Okay, so she's down fifty six seven percent. She's at fifty seven fifty seven percent this year, and she's down. What did I just say? Seventy four percent since the high. Like this is brutal. Brutal. But that's also that's not what was being sold or not what people expected because investing in innovation feels good when things are going up. You're like, this is this is exciting stuff. These companies are changing the world, but you're you're not expecting to have that level of volatility. So even if the fun comes back, now you've you know that there could be times where you're you're down seventy five percent, and that's for for the psychology of just humans. It's very very tough to stick through investments with that type of volatility. And prior to this year, that was not being talked about in, in ARC at all. But I think people realize now that that may be what you're signing up for if you're going in that 100, you know, pardon, pardon my uh, term, balls to the wall, like innovation, you know? Yeah, like, you know, and the, the other way to think about that, Scott, is like the other way to, uh, to verbalize it, right? This is science fair... Science fair growth, as we as, as we were coining it, right, and the, the you know the, her her world of that, right, that is, um, for lack of a better term, that's a super big bet on long duration, right, Scott? Right. Yeah, yeah. You need a lot of things to go very, very right because when people get very hyped up on the future, they tend to overpay, and you see prices for these companies end up higher than any other sector in the economy. And so, yeah, you just need to be aware of that's where the dollars and cents of doing the analysis comes in and saying, all right, well, if this company grows, doubles their revenue for the next 10 years and they lose money today, but say they start making a lot of money 
and I still am, uh, have a 1% return over that period, well, oh, maybe I shouldn't be owning them. But it, it's it, not everyone knows how to do that, and some people get too hyped up. So. Well, yeah, so, so where, where I was going with that, Scott, is, is that she's making a bet like that it's, it's basically you're – with these things, because they're science fair projects, is that once you – it's a bet on low real yields, right? So th these things bubbled out because real yields were so depressed. Yeah, so that was a big part of it. But also – and some of these companies do need to keep raising money to yeah. build the future. And so if money gets expensive, they can't raise as much, and then are they going to make it? Exactly. So that's, that's another risk. And sorry, and where I was going with all this, Scott, just to get to the point. So, you know, the, the point here is, is that is that these bets, you, you know, th this view could work really well in, you know, 2020, early 2021. But uh, but caveat is, you know, macro changes, et cetera. And what's interesting here, this fund is down 75 percent from the peak. It's down 57 percent this year. Most interesting is all the bag holders have remained. So in the shares outstanding, you can do this on Y charts. In the shares outstanding, which is the units outstanding in the ARK Innovation ETF, Scott, basically everyone that bought in. So even though the fund's price is down 75%, the people haven't sold. How yeah, crazy and that, is that's, that? That's just, yeah, that's psychology of uh investors right everyone is saying because kathy wood has said uh these these things are the future and then the whole way down you know she's been very vocal about how this is just this is a buying opportunity these things are going to come back they're all the future so that works for a while and then if it doesn't come back people start to get a little tired but it shows that in the very early days everyone's just sitting on their hands they don't really know what to do so 70, that 75% drawdown came fast. It, it came fast, and, and the investors in her ETF have not reevaluated the environment. Coming back to the, the, that, what you were saying, listen, like when things change, you, your outlook should change accordingly, and the investors underlying um, that basically created the arc bubble have not capitulated yet. It's a phenomenal thing. And, and this is where you almost institutionalize bag holders, right? And it, it's kind yeah. of a, um, you know, and she's like, and in a lot of ways, like, right, she hasn't, she hasn't capitulated on her bets either, right, Scott? Like, she's, like, they're saying they want a new world and she's continuing to give them, you know, make-believe land in, a, in an environment that none of that will work. Yeah, I mean, opportunity cost is a killer. So we're big students of that where we may have a company that we really like and we still like them. But if you find something better, you got to sell it and go to the better thing. That's opportunity cost. So people don't think when you sit on your hands, that's the big risk you're taking is, okay, it might come back. But what if, if you were in other things, they came back faster? Well, that's it, right? And, and a lot of these things just may never come back because as as a Scott lot of them has, probably won't. Yeah. Well, 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 Scott, correctly, you've correctly nailed it. A lot of these big ideas need more money, <laughs> right? And yeah, they're too early, right? If they ran out of money today, they can't just they can't just turn the profit taps on. Like it's it's way too early. Right. And so if you're so the way to think about that is your favorite stock or whatever your concept stock. Let's say your concept ETF and ARC, right? All the companies are down the same. Now you're raising money at 75% lower. So now your dilution, because uh, now you're going to have to dilute everyone else, 
before it was much less. And now it's much more. If you can even raise, right? We don't see a lot of equity stock deals going on. That That's the thing too. The market doesn't just let you keep issuing stock in a down market. They, they, they'll like hammer your stock to single digits. So people just have to stop. It kind of, it shuts off to you at a certain point. Uh, so coming back to positioning, just kind of just obviously interesting points here in terms of uh, how, you know, investor uh, psychology and how we're thinking. We we think the analog here is clear. Uh, this is a um, there are clear signs that there are parallels here to the 1970s. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting in an energy crisis. There's no doubt about that. Just pull up uh, a chart looking at. Uh, German electricity prices pull up anything, anything in the news right now. Uh, it's 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 energy pandemonium. It's scarcity. Um, and the main thing out of this is it's not Germany that will go without power. Uh, we were talking a little before. It's they're they're going to buy it at all costs. Hey, listen, they're Germany, man. They're one of the richest countries in the world. It's the emerging market countries that are going to be without. Right. I saw a video on Twitter of like it, it was a. Uh, I want to say it was like the the in Pakistan it was the uh, equivalent of like the, the electricity um, you know your your electricity distribution company these guys were like taking a uh, you know like trying to bust open the front door there right and today oh the customers were revolting yeah yeah dude it, uh. like not a good situation that was in Pakistan we've you know we've seen this play out obviously uh, earlier in the years Sri Lanka. Uh, this is were, this is the next story, right? Because all we hear right now is Germany. But it look it turns out like you know we ran the numbers last week. Germany's going to have their their storage full. They'll be fine for the winter. But they pulled gas away from other areas in energy, and so now what what are these guys going to do when winter comes? They bid it away from everyone else, right? They're Germany, man. Like you know they're not going to go without, right? And um and e even more to the point, right, Scott? They're Germany, um. Well, what like are they going to pass on these prices to their their population? Yet, no. no. Yeah, they can't pay it. <laughs> no. So they're ultimately going to, you know, they're going to they're going to subsidize, you know, these prices, and and what that ultimately leads to is more debt. And um, surprise, surprise. Uh, how's the euro doing, Scott? Is that is that, is that a good? Yeah, that, I was going to get to that. Yeah. So you see, the euro is hitting like the lowest levels since it was founded, almost, and that's because when you have an energy crisis and you're subsidizing the cost of that energy, and, and you know your citizens aren't paying for it, you got to print more money, and that yeah. makes your your currency worth less than someone else's currency. Yeah, and so you know that's like so you think like you think this through, right? Um, this is this is probably one of the most serious things we've seen in the global economy in terms of as it hits home, right? And it doesn't hit more home than actually heating your freaking home. Uh, so that's real, right? So it's hitting it's hitting your home. Um, we're 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 obviously insulated in North America, thank God. But uh, you know, uh, but the, the the crisis is happening in the emerging markets. Um, uh, it's it, it's a tough situation, man. It, I, there were there were there were protests in Prague today. Uh, it's going to keep happening, right? If people uh, and governments are, uh, you know, it's going to test the uh, it's going to test governments' resolve, uh, to, you know, to to be able to like you know deal with their populations. It, it's a tough situation. 
And this could go on for a while, actually, because, you know, Germany's fine for the winter, but they still have to replace a ton of gas that was coming from Russia. And so as this plays out, they could continue to pull energy away from other countries. And so you could be looking at the same thing next winter. So I I don't think it's it's not going to be some issue and then it goes away. It could be kind of prolonged. And, and the most recent news, right, uh, so obviously Putin is playing politics with Nord Stream, and I, so he's cut off supply completely, right? It's got to if, if – Yeah, I'm, he's using some hilarious I, – uh, what was the excuse? It was one of the turbines had an oil spill, and I just picture he had some guy come over with a bucket of oil and just dump it on the ground, and then they, they said, <laughs> shut down. We can't run this thing. So he's obviously playing games. It's a lot of uh, grandstanding, but, yeah, he knows that he needs to put the screws to uh, to – everyone who's trying to stop him from doing what he wants to do and that's the easiest way is with energy yeah and like uh, you know it wouldn't so when we think about our portfolio positioning right now uh when you think about how you you know where are the opportunities right so the the parallels here are clearly to the 70s of course it's different uh and we're going to be doing the series on that sky that's why we got margo she's gonna she we're gonna Fill out the entire story. It's going to be a beautiful, uh, beautiful multi-part series to watch. Uh, we're going to talk about what the solution is. The solution is it's clearly more cheap power, and we're going to get into the details there. Uh, so for us, when we think about portfolio positioning for growth investors, and if you know, when, if you have a long enough timeline, you are a growth investor, you want to grow, uh, grow your capital, uh, we think it's a barbell of energy security. So that is not gas for us. And, it, you know, it's it's electric metals and it's well-placed utilities uh, for us. That That's one that's next Terra in, in on the utility side. But then on the other side of that, it's digitization. This, Scott, is the biggest difference. So that digitization is also technology. This is the biggest difference from the 70s because how important of a sector was was technology in the 70s versus today? Yeah, I mean, it was barely around. The technology of today was it, it looked a little different, and so now, like technology, we call it you know digitization. It's getting into every piece of our lives, and so it's just you know we're never going back, and it's becoming a bigger, bigger weighting of the overall economy. So even though we're in a time where a lot of you see hear about these tech stocks that are down quite a bit. That's not every tech stock, and tech is just something that you always want to own, we feel. So that's why we have the the barbell approach. Yeah, and so so here's one thing, and coming back to uh, our philosophy, right? So neither so neither Scott and I are fundamentalists. That's why we're good friends. You know, we, you know, we, we always, uh, like, we never get into, oh, well, this is, you know, I don't pull out it. You know, neither Scott and I are like, you, we take the facts and we, we assess, right? And that is- And if the uh, facts change, we change too. We change, right? And that, you know, that, you know, we've helped each other uh, get to this almost like Nirvanic, Nirvana-esque investor mindset of, listen, I'm just, be factually based. Don't let, uh, don't let emotions, fundamentalism, uh, you know, don't let that cloud your judgment, right? And so when I think about this very clearly, uh, no one else I know is running the barbell. I'm like, why aren't you running the barbell? Well, but we're in a, like, if you're, if you're on the commodity side, but the world is, you know, we don't have any commodities. We haven't been there. 100% commodity. And if you're like a tech bro or like, you know, technophile, you're like, well, listen, I don't know commodities. I'm 100% technology. Yeah, or, or dirty oil, or you know, whatever, whatever uh, well, well, argument you want to use. Well, they're not even there. They're just like, oh, listen, I'm, you know, the technology. I need to own. 
I need to own all of this junk. I don't even have time for commodities or I don't believe in it or get yeah, to your point, right? You know, there may be some, there may be some level yeah. of like, you know, uh, ESG or irrespective, but the bottom line is right now, the valuations, especially on some of the, some of the more larger cap technology stocks are, are rather, you know, pretty damn compelling. And also Scott, you're going to talk some about some of the more growthier names are, are very compelling as well. But obviously on the, on the commodity side, there's super compelling uh, valuations there too. These are our two economies right now. It's the stuff that I have, like, you know, that the real stuff that I'm using, the oil that I put in my car, the natural gas that I heat in my, my home, and then I'm stuck in front of a monitor for eight hours a day. That's my technology metaverse, for lack of a better term. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good way to describe it. The two pieces of your, your day. Totally. That's the barbell. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I, I digress. It's not a meta, I'm not entering a metaverse for eight hours. Like, okay. So, you we know, got, we all, we, we've taken a bet on the metaverse in the portfolio, <laughs> but it's not coming soon. No, I'm no, not yeah, be in look, there soon. Again, you know, but there's a, there's a great plethora of interesting, uh, interesting names there. But again, um, own energy security. You got to, but also own technology. If your portfolio isn't balanced like that, Ask yourself why. Am I being a fundamentalist, right? Is there something here where I'm just shunning the other side? Now you can talk about waiting, but I think once you agree that you shouldn't be zero weight technology or zero weight um, commodities, then you get to a place of nirvana. Yeah, yeah. And with technology, there's a, a key aspect where valuation is basically all that matters right now. So when we're saying own technology, there's companies that we do like. But if they were the ones that got caught up in COVID and the, the valuation just got way too crazy, you're in a market now where everyone's very skittish on the price they're paying for things and you have interest rates still going up. So you just have to be careful. And that's why we've just had a laser focus in technology on the valuation for paying for things. We're on the cheaper side because we think those are going to hold up better if there's any volatility. But there is a time for some of those high flyers that we think will survive a lot. Uh, you know, a bunch Bunch of them will not. They were bubbled up on cheap capital and whatever they're building, it may there there never was a market or they won't make it. Um, but there's just some some of the big ones that are going to turn into the kind of utilities of the tech sector that that you have to own. Because again, it, the thing people forget about disruption is you can have a disruptive company, but these big guys have been known to buy the disruptors and eat them up. Right. So that's, that's how you're, you kind of get like double duty. You own the big incumbents, but they also are not sitting around and being disrupted. They're, they're watching and, and eating people up before they get disrupted. Yeah. Like that's a great point. Right. It, it, you know, the, this is the, so we've got a barbell in the portfolio energy security uh, and um, and then technology, but then within technology, Scott, we have a barbell, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the way the the market's looking right now, we're heavier in more value focused tech, and that doesn't mean mature companies. It just mm -hmm. means from a valuation perspective, the price you're paying. But there's other companies in say cloud software that used to be the industry as a whole was trading at say 20 times sales that that was more than twice what they normally would trade at mm -hmm. now they're back below the long-term average so lo looking more interesting for sure for sure um it's uh you know it, it it's an interesting time uh i think the cl clear overlay too also scott is that there's also a limit uh again so you know again People will say, well, you know, Fed's just going to raise rates and, you know, it's, it's going to obliterate the economy. 
there's no question it's gonna cause it's gonna cause pain. Um, but the other side of that too, Scott, is there's gotta be a, there's a natural limit to how far they can go. Right. So yeah, that's what, the thing. it doesn't look like there's that much left. I mean, there could be some panic in the market at some point, but that's really when you say that the fed is probably done with, with their work. Yes, that's right. That's right. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and the, the way that works, right. It, the way that works is, uh, basically, um, uh, it's, the way to think about that, right, is is the weight of debt, right? I put a chart on Twitter a while back, um, try to find that. But bottom line is that because we, because the developed world has taken on so much debt, right, both at a government level and personal, you can't push you can't push this string too far, right? Yeah, that's the big thing here with with the Fed. But you know, when rates are going up stock valuations adjust but more importantly it's it's debt it's when you have to pay back your debt and the cost of that debt is still going up governments can't afford much higher rates than where we are you know we can we can go higher from here but if it sits too high for too long they're 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 shooting themselves in the foot essentially man so it's it's gotta, gotta kind of die gotta die divert a little bit right but like incredible what's happening in housing right talk about rates and, and its sensitivity to to an asset class holy bazoli yeah it, it moves fast right <laughs> like it, it's, it's there's like, there's some psychology in there too if you're used to like a three percent mortgage and then it goes to six you're probably like let's just pump the brakes let's like figure out what's going on here you're not like i'm just going hard buying a house again yeah 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 like it and the uniqueness in the american market right too scott like Bottom line is, it's like you're like so many people lock in these long-term mortgages, right? At, at these, like as you did, right? Uh, at, as low, and, right? This <laughs> low and attractive rate. Now, Scott bought a nice house, and it's it's he's worked out for it. But imagine, imagine you kind of were like, hey, listen, this is kind of my in-between house, and I'm looking forward to my next move in two years. Well, what happens to you now? You don't. Yeah, you're 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 stuck a little bit. Right? You, why why are you going to take on that that much larger of a mortgage at the moment? Yeah, so it almost works out perfectly uh, for those who are like, okay, listen, like you, Scott, like you've nailed it, right? You, you found that, you know, that house that's going to be, a, you know, your core house. And it's just like, okay, now it's like now. But for those that were like, it just really kills people's ability to to, to move I, I, effectively, right? Because now then you have to go to a much higher rate. Yeah, I did see from a psycho psychological perspective, there was a survey that asked people like what rate they'd be willing to pay. And it looked in general until rates got above six, people were still OK with maybe making some of those decisions to, to be active. But when it got above that, people were like, I would never pay that. And so the market would really shut down. But we're already seeing such quick cooling in in North America overall. So it shows that, you know, it has it has a big impact. But what's going for, at least in the U.S., I don't know the inventory situation in Canada as well. The U.S. typically is 2.5 million houses out there for sale at any given time. They're at 1 million now. So it's it's a much tighter market than it was in 05, 06. So that should help with this not being a repeat of the housing crisis. Yeah, like uh, the uh, what's been interesting is like the rents going up like almost parabolic it, in it, it's like it's like the it, it's it, we're almost seeing a mirror image here right where it was house house prices going parabolic and now it's rents going parabolic yeah it's a tough time too to be having rents go up you know when you have inflation biting too on people's wallets yeah so hey listen we'll, we'll do a focused episode on that in the future 
Scott, yeah. let's get let's keep. You know, <laughs> you know what? It's nice to be back in the seat. It's nice to chat again. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is fun. A, you know what? Literally, Scott and I talk for like. Obviously, you know we, we you know we're always always um you, you know figuring out market dynamics and um but it's nice to nice to do this in a in a in a podcast setting because you know we're we're sharing the charts that that we really the data and the charts that we think are are the most relevant right now. Yeah. So maybe maybe do you want to talk just background of you know why why an energy security barbell like what what do you get with that and and the pieces that we like the most yeah yeah and, okay, you know obviously like we'll 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 do a focused episode but i think very high level here listen um right now we believe it, there's the there's the opportunities it's a, there's a structural demand here for natural gas clear and simple um if there's one victory lap that you know i think grizzle we 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 were not just saying long energy and we've been super long bulls on natural gas from the beginning we said listen there's one transition fuel as we think bigger picture here um we felt that there was one uh one fossil fuel product in natural gas that we felt that was completely uh misrepresented in terms of pricing underpriced strategically scott this would be like our rallying call from the beginning of grizzle right like i you know from from day one uh scott and i were always big super bulls on natural gas we just said listen anytime you see natural gas touch two bucks right back the truck up yeah i mean there's just a massive arbitrage that we're playing and what we mean by that is there's cheap gas in one region and there's expensive gas in another and you have a new technology liquefied natural gas that's allowing gas in one place to go to another place from A to B. Mm-hmm. So that means that if I'm in an expensive place and I could buy the cheap gas, I'm going to buy that instead. So we've been buying the gas guys that are in the cheap region and eventually their price is going to go up. And, you know, it, it's not going to go up as high as that expensive region, but they're going to meet somewhere in the middle and who's going to win the guys in the cheap region. So that's what we're playing, and that's going to take years to to play out, and that's the best type of theme. It's not over in a blink of an eye. You missed it. Yeah, like we haven't been, we haven't traded. You know, we, we'll do things on the margin, but we're not. You know, we're we're we have very relative to all growth peers. We have very low turnover. That's the way we think about it. Um, you know, and, and uh, I think there's an opportunity here where, where we say, listen, uh, you know, stick in there, own the winners. Uh, and uh, one area we're very clear about owning is uh, just you know own a uh, America. You you, you don't you don't want to be in Europe, Scott. You don't want to be in other places where governments can get uh, you know uh, can get very preachy preachy and say, listen, um, th- these look like windfall profits, right? Uh, you want to you want to be in the most uh, you want to be in the most uh, place where um, profits are respected, and that that really is America, and literally where the cheap, where natural gas can leave the continent uh, as well. So that's America. So uh, for us, uh, U.S. natural gas, it, clear winner here. Then secondarily, on on the energy security side, you're clearly seeing um, electric vehicles, or the push will continue. There's no question about that. But one thing uh, that you know, that's, that's something that's happening, right? And, uh, you know, we're, you know, you're seeing more and more electrified, electric, electrified vehicles. But what we're seeing is that, uh, one side of the, the, uh, one side of the, the chain that they, they haven't really, you know, 
accounted for was that there's just not enough of these metals uh, being produced for the volume. Yeah, the they- supply chain's not ready for the demand for batteries in both cars and energy storage. I think that's that's a big opportunity right now because we're seeing Unfortunately, a lot of those metals that go in batteries are used in a lot of different applications. So as people are worried about economic growth, it's hitting those stocks and those metals, copper, for example. But there's a huge wave of demand coming that's more than supply. So this is seeming like a golden opportunity as copper stocks are selling off. If you have a 10-year view, this is a great time to be like, building your position in that theme because we're at the early days of electric vehicles. I mean, sales were up in the U.S. 75% last year, but from almost a nothing level. So we're early days. No, super early. And, and, you know, we like, you know, we, we, uh, we were fortunate enough to hit uh, SQM uh, perfectly this year with that. That's uh, one of the largest lithium players that we had that, but we see opportunity clearly in copper. Uh, We like, we like all the different structural pieces of the electric metal world. Uh, so that includes um, clearly lithium, copper, vanadium. Uh, those, all of those are interesting, uh, interesting uh, vectors, right? And and, uh, and and I mentioned you want to be diversified too because you can't get too bold up in any one piece of the battery because yeah. hu- humans are uh, they they're smart and they figure out how to make do with less sometimes. So cobalt was in a very important piece of the battery, and everyone was saying cobalt's going to go to the moon by cobalt manufacturers, but the industry realized that cobalt was going to be a sticking point, a bottleneck, and they've been finding new battery chemistries that don't use as much cobalt. So you can't get too greedy. If you're like, this one piece is so important and everyone's going to need it, the industry may engineer it out. And lithium's great because lithium's a cheaper part of the battery. It's still very important and it's continuing to be the chemistry in a battery. So it's, it's like a perfect sweet spot for that chemical yeah lithium you know lithium like the ones we made our bets on are, are the ones that are like kind of the, the, in in their respective industries are the dominant pieces right so lithium um you're, you're it's co-chemistries with lithium lithium is always the base here right and obviously yeah. copper is is the electrification metal and then on the vanadium side you know that's really interesting here as well for when you think about um long-term battery storage um and and that really like we're talking grid level battery storage right those are all super interesting again this is the bigger broader approach of how we think about it that's one half of it and then the second half obviously is the technology we, you know which uh you know scott's covering as well but you, like in ter- we'll, we'll t- touch on on some aspects of that but the key part when you pr- bring that together on a portfolio level and this is really r- really important here right um we think the combination of those two really make it interesting from um, a portfolio volatility perspective. Uh, you know, it just, it just r- really both of those almost have their, they, they're ballast for each other, Scott. You know, they, in, they offer, um, they offer, a, you know, they really make that portfolio solidified, it, you know, because the correlations between those two assets tend to be lower. Uh, uh, and uh, that to us is is we, we like to see that. So um, so for us, we think these two themes, uh, energy security and technology, are the dominant growth themes. You should be in them, but they also have a nice uh, overlay in the sense that they have lower correlation. So which like we which we clearly like that from a portfolio perspective, and you should as well. It's uh, two two things here, Scott. Um, and you know we spent a lot of time looking at this. High volatility and high drawdowns. 
terrible things, terrible things, right? Um, when you look at it from a portfolio perspective, if you own stuff, and I'm talking about ETFs, right? I'm talking about funds, right? Um, if you own stuff that has like 75% drawdowns, like the one we were talking about earlier, like ARC, it's brutal, right? High, super high volatility, brutal. You don't win from there, right? And, and, and the, the reason you don't win is because you, if you look over a long period of time, there's probably been some funds that are very volatile, but like they could outperform. Oh, perfect example. Janus in the 2000 tech meltdown. It ended up performing better than a lot of other funds through the meltdown and the rebound. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, humans are, are, you know, we're all human. And so how many people are sitting around and it's, and not getting scared through like a 75% drawdown? So everyone's not buying and holding through. And that's why it's so suboptimal. If you look at what consumer, you know, I think there's been a bunch of studies done on what when consumers buy into these funds and sell out and they're, they're typically top ticking and, you know, very suboptimal returns. So that's why volatility is such a killer. It's a mind killer. Yeah, like in you know, really when you when you structure something right, you want it to be you want it to have the least like drawdown is is like w when when you look at the underlying of it right, it really is highlighting the poor quality of businesses you fundamentally own. It really is right, and you could always own some balance of that uh, in times where it's you know things are things are working. You you may own some 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 more speculative stuff, but you've got to be quick to protect to protect capital, right? And that's the number one game, right? Protecting capital, especially in growth, right? Um, and can't emphasize that enough. It Coming back off the mat off 75% down, is, it's a tough, tough place. Um, so the three three killers, Scott, three killers. Portfolio volatility, absolute volatility. So if you have like, if you have, so I'm going to say it all, Scott. <laughs> so ARC has portfolio vol annualized volatility of 75%. Huge. It's like not even real, right? Uh, look, to put it into perspective, uh, Nasdaq 100 is something like 28 or 30 percent, right? So like it's like massive. So huge volatility. They you have massive drawdowns, right? So they we we highlighted they you know their drawdown is 75 percent. And third, high turnover, right? So if you the trifecta, if you manage to somehow if if there's a fund that you own that has all three of these, that it's it's brutal. Don't own that. You need to be scared. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> you need to reevaluate. Her her turnover, Ark's turnover is seventy seven percent. Like these are things you can't win, right? This is uh, unwinnable, right? So, um, so what you can control, control, right? Own great businesses. Uh, you know, have an anchor of great businesses that you own through the long term that manages your turnover. B, own, um have a valuation lens and that's super important, right? Like that's what enables you not to turn over so much. You know, when you have, a, when you're owning with a valuation lens it, and, it, and be pragmatic about valuation because valuations go through cycles, right? And in, in, yep. in, in the short term valuation can drive like over 50% of a stock's price change. And so you just need to be realistic and say we're pragmatic and probably the best decision we made this year was not what we bought. It's what we didn't buy. So there were things that I, there's companies that we thought were great, but we realized that we're going through a regi regime change with everything going on with inflation and interest rates. And so you just can't own things that are at 30 times sales. Uh, it's just it not going to work out well in this environment. Yeah, exactly. And then listen, you know, th we still think 
there are some great ideas, great concepts out there. We just own it in much smaller weights. Like, listen, we'll, we'll come back to them when when real rates come back down. But you, it's got to be about where you're winning and how you're winning, and, and that's critical, right? And so, um, again, you know, keep your head in the game. Don't be bag holding. Um, and at least, you know, get, you know, get, you can. Make sure that you own the dominant themes, right? That's that's the critical part here. Um, and uh, for us right now, two things: value tech, as Scott was saying, right? You're you're seeing tremendous value there. Uh, and you know, in a lot of ways too, these companies are so cashed up, Scott. They can own whatever they want, right? At a song right now. Yeah, that's, that's so we're talking about like you know big tech because they're doing exciting things. They have underlying businesses with huge moats and and large market shares, and they're at reasonable valuations when you look at other parts of tech. So it's just like it, it's a no brainer. That's kind of the core of the portfolio. And then depending on the market environment and the valuations, you you step out more and more into that future of tech, um, kind of the the hot part of the market, the exciting part. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, we, you know, we, we, you know, we're, this is the, you know, this is the way we, you know, we've structured it. We're going to get back into details on all of these, uh, core elements. Um, there's a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of aspects, uh, that, you know, that we're going to, the, you know, we'll, we'll fill out, but, um, super interesting time right now, man. You know, we, we've, we've got a dynamic, especially on the energy front where, um, you have, in Vladimir Putin and Russia, um, a stakeholder that has basically in the core commodities that matter, Scott, somewhere in and around a 10% market share, right? Yeah. Um, that's like, so when, uh, you know, um, I was with, Ka I did an interview with Catherine Murray and she's phenomenal. Uh, if you guys don't, uh, uh, if you, if, uh, hopefully you guys follow her YouTube, uh, she's always interviewing Greg great guests and she's a great conversation it's a great always a great conversation um you know one thing i just said you know it's it's one thing um you, you know you knew this was your enemy right scott there's no fucking surprise right there was anyone surprised that oh oh Putin, I, we thought he was a nice guy no no the the story he, was he always keep the gas going even when we're trying to sanction him yeah listen scott the story was always he was not a nice guy like this is not a surprise man like, okay, so you know he's not a nice guy, got it, um, but I'm going to be, as Germany, continuing to take uh, this core product that actually uh, keeps our uh, keeps our people uh, warm in the winter. Uh, this is this is like almost, this is as lifeblood as it gets, right? Uh, so, you know, they know, they know what he has over their head, but you don't have a contingency plan? How does that work, right, Scott? Like, that, to me, is the most bonehead, like, i.e., and now you have this war. Oh, well, then you're going to sanction him. Oh, how's that going to work? Well, come <laughs> on. You, you, you absolute morons. Your time to plan and, you know, be prepared for something that Putin could maybe do uh, that, you know, that would be offside, you knew that 10 years ago, and yet you were continuing to take uh, you know, continue to take product from it. The, the LNG, they should have been negotiating massive deals, Scott, with uh, 
whoever, right? The Middle East, America, yeah, whatever. Whoever is LNG, yeah. Where, and they, they should have just, it should have been regasification terminals everywhere in Russia. Be like, yo, I don't care. You can turn off that terminal. We'll just keep sending ships. And now you're, um, Putin basically has has them where they where he wanted them. He's leveraging the most that he can with the limited cards that he has, right? Like, let's be frank. Russia isn't some thriving dynamic economy. It's a commodity economy, right? Like, like, like again, this is you know this is not a country, um, you know that's that's banging well above its weight. This is not like South Korea, Scott. You know what I mean? South Korea gave us fucking K-pop. That alone. That alone, and all the all the rest, right? Soft spot in our hearts, just yeah, for that, right? Who, who, you know, like South Korea is is. Uh, we'll do an episode on South Korea one day, man, because uh, when you think about it, South Korea is probably one of the most dynamic. Um, you know, it's one of the most dynamic stories in uh, in how you can change a course of economy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, but uh, but it, like, you know, there's so much to talk about here. Oh, uh, the one thing I'll, I'll leave them with on energy is this, yeah. this is such an interesting time we're going into because usually, you know, in a commodity cycle, you don't want to be owning commodity companies because they they tend to they're hurt more by a downturn than, you know, a tech business, for example. But we're in an environment that I've never seen in my career. And I think it's been since the 70s. This has happened where when there's shortages a recession, if it comes, doesn't change the shortage. We still have a shortage. It lets yep. it, it lets the tanks get filled a little bit more, but we know that energy demand still is continuing to grow. So you're in one of these situations where you could actually own these themes we're talking about through an entire downturn recovery, and you may end up, we think you'll be ahead of other sectors, which usually you would not be. Well, Scott, it, it, what you're talking about is the 70s, right? You're talking about yes. a stagflationary environment, right? So we, we are – that is what we're seeing right now, i.e. shortages, which is what you saw in the 70s. So commodities end up typically – like if you looked at periods after the 1970s where like, oh, okay, these are cyclical commodities. You sell them when you know recessionary environment comes. That's just the way it works. In this environment – you would say, listen, uh, natural gas will continue to be well bid no matter what uh, recessionary print uh, you, you're going to see in Germany. And uh, that's kind of basically, uh, you know, that's you know, basically where we're at. Yeah, exactly. So don't count energy out even if you have economic weakness. So there's there's certain pieces of it that, you know, it seems like you just you just hold it. Scott, we're, we're going to be in L.A. next week. Uh, well, we're going to be in Huntington Beach. What's going down there? we got to let people know. Ooh, yeah. So it's the Future Proof uh, Conference. So this is the biggest wealth conference, and uh, it looks pretty exciting. There's there's some great panelists, some great topics. So we're gonna be there, just checking it out, meeting people, hearing what what everyone has to say. What's you know top of mind for you know advisors in the industry. So if if anyone's planning to go, hit us up. We're gonna be around. Yeah. So it's September 11th to 14th um, at Hunt in Huntington Beach, California. Future proof. It's a, what's the what's the website, Scott? If you want to check it out, futureproof.advisorcircle.com. You can just if you Google future proof, it'll come up. But uh, yeah, there's there's uh, some cool stuff going on. A lot of people. If if you're on Twitter, you might recognize a lot of this people speaking. We're gonna see a lot of the usual suspects. So it's it's gonna be a, a really fun time. I, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's in the. 
the more interesting part about this, obviously, you know, the in the industry uh, in general, right? Wealth management is 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 filled with like what I'd call like you know you know these eight hundred pound like um, <laughs> gorillas of of um, you know like the Black Rocks or whatever. The, the you know? Darth Vader of the yeah, wealth the Darth, manager world. Yeah, that's a great. That's that's the right. Black Rock is is definitely Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the you know the these eight hundred pound gorillas, these like faceless kind of. Chomp, chomp, chomp. But this conference is super interesting because, you know, the heart and soul of wealth management is really um, is is independence, man. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of hungry independents there that are doing unique things. And they're really all about being up on the curve of like where the economy is going, where wealth management is going. And so like these are probably the advisors you'd want to have working for you. Right. Instead of like a guy at a big bank who's doing it the way it's been done for 30 years. Yeah, like you know, this is yeah, this this is truly like you're you're looking for people that are that are thinking different, and I think this is the, uh, definitively a time. Um, I think I said this before, right? When I think about uh, advisors and and um, the value they bring clients, this is this is the time, man. This is the time you know you want uh, you want an advisor who's thinking on their feet, who's uh, who's who's you know looking out across the spectrum for the best value. Uh, for the, for their client, um, and uh, you know, and, and not just taking a a playbook, if you will, that was uh, meant for a different time. And let's be frank, right, Scott? The playbook has changed because uh, we you know we lived through a period of just interest rates going down, 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 and really at that same time it was inflation down, 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 right? And so uh, if you know, so many of these big, you know, big. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Wealth managers, uh, you know, providers. All, it's they, all just- yeah, they had one strategy and it's worked for so long that they're not prepared for what if it stops working. And it's an important time because there's a huge generation. The baby boomers are retiring and they need income. Yep. And if you're going to a time with inflation is, is higher than it has been and it's sticky, that's a terrible time when you need income. So yeah. you, you need to be aware of how things could, could have changed. For sure, right? And a big part of that, the reason why it's tough and the reason why these guys are, are – uh, um, they have a hard time letting go of uh, of these old narratives is because they got a P&L, right? They, you know, they got a profit loft because they, they've got this ma- these massive bond desks, right? Scott, like if you think about this, for somebody with a 20-year view on investing, how much bonds should they really even own right now? Oh, I, I hate bonds. I've hated right, bonds for yeah. a few years. Yeah, right. Like, like, and and so these. Well, you need to own this. Well, why? It's inflation is super high. Why would I? Why are you gonna put a forty-year-old person in 35, 20, 20 year old forty-five-year-old? I don't care. This, these these guys still have twenty years to retirement. They should not be owning bonds. But they've got all these people sitting on bond desks, uh, trading these no-yield products during a time when inflation is like you know moon. Well, think about if you're buying like a 20-year bond that pays 1%, the price has to only go down 1% to offset your income. So it's like not a lot of security there. No, no. So it's, you're, you're you're putting a lot on the line for 1%. Totally. Um, yeah. So, well, Scott, man, this is an episode, man. It's, it's uh, you know what? It, it's, it's <laughs> we can nice. keep going. We got to cut it off. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to, so much to chat about here. Um, again, can't they? Uh, can't can't the Crystal Pod is not possible without uh, without our great sponsors. Wide Charts, uh, Fundamental Charts, that's where you go. It's widecharts.com, the GRZZ ETF, 
That's innovation and growth at a reasonable price. The barbell of energy security and technology. That's ETF.grizzle.com. And then um, and the, if you're looking for insights, you go no further in the future of energy. Uh, you go to the Grizzle YouTube, Uranium Con. Uh, that was a great banger. And then finally, Future Proof. We will be there. That is a, um, you know, that's the, this is the way, this is the way wealth should be done. That's on Hunting, that's in Huntington Beach, California, September 11th to 14th. Grizzle will be there with microphones. Come say hello if you're there and you see us. Yeah. We'll be hard to miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be there, man. We, it, it, we'll it, have it, our it, swag on. Oh, totally. And, we'll, and the, 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 uh, the uh, entertainment there is pretty, pretty, pretty lit too. So I check it out. You guys, you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is not a boring conference. It's a good one. Um, Future Futureproof.advisorcircle.com. If you want to check it out, guys. Thanks for joining us uh, for episode 33. We've, we've, uh, it's it, it's been a minute, but there were some great cons in between, uh, great conferences that we put through, and we're back on the regular Grizzle Pod. We'll see you all soon. <laughs>